The 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, this morning uh, we're going to continue uh, our series, uh, our series uh, teaching through the Gospel of John. And obviously we've taken some time away from that, uh, starting uh, with the Advent season at the beginning of December. And uh, so this morning we want to get back to it. And so we're in John chapter 16. If you have a Bible, uh, why don't you get it, open it, and uh, open up to John chapter 16. We're going to start with verse 16. And we're going to cover a pretty big section today from verse 16 to the end of the chapter, verse 33, in the book of John. Uh, So I want to start just by uh, reading that text. Jesus is uh, speaking to the disciples, and he says, A little while, and you will see me no longer, and again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, so they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but it will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, And I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me 
and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you speak plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Take heart, I have overcome the world. The Lord bless the reading of his word. You know, we know this text in the book of John, sometimes called the Upper Room Discourse, as one of the most encouraging uh, texts in the Gospels. But, you know, the disciples who were there at the time, uh, they really didn't... (laughs) They really didn't understand what was happening, and uh, consequently, they they didn't draw a good deal of encouragement. And Jesus could see, obviously, that they were pretty troubled by all these things that he had said. You know, he's talking about how he's going away, and they don't know where he's going, and they uh, he's talking about how he's going to die, and they don't understand. They don't understand how Messiah could arrive and then leave. That's that's not in their uh, understanding of, of the nature of Messiah. And they've come to believe Jesus is Messiah. And then he's also talking about dying. That's not something they get at all. They don't understand it. They, in fact, in this text we, we've seen in the earlier chapters, they, they basically deny that. They say, no, that, we don't accept that. So they're, they're pretty troubled. Now, if we think about the situation uh, now, we're, uh, we may even be, this part of the talk may even be happening as they walk to the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, it's not even going to be 24 hours before Jesus is crucified. And uh, so you might think, well, Jesus might be tr- pretty troubled as well. And yet, one thing we see in this text is Jesus is focused, uh, is really trying to help them to uh, have some hope and to see the joy that is coming, as we read in the book of Hebrews, you know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And uh, so... All of these things kind of come together in this text we're looking at today. And obviously, earlier in the chapter, he's been talking about uh, the coming of the Spirit and the way the Spirit will uh, deliver his, his Word, His things to them, and so on. And then he says this... Uh, well, he says this, you, now you see me, now you won't, then you'll see me again. You know, uh, a little while you won't see me, and then a little while longer you will see me. And, of course, they, we, we read 
you know, their response to this is, well, what is he talking about? And they somehow connect it, as you can see in the text, they connect it to the thing he said earlier about how he's going back to the Father. Uh, and uh, because I'm going to the Father, he says, uh, well, what's he talking about? You know, that's a good question, actually. Even among scholars of the Bible today, uh, even with the retrospective history, even after we know the events that transpired after this, uh, there's some considerable discussion about uh, what exactly is he referring to when he says, uh, after a little while you won't see me, and then a little while longer you will see me. Some people connected even to the second coming, although it's hard to figure out how that we would call a little while, but uh, then uh, some people connected to his death and resurrection. I think it may have some connection to that. Uh, we're not actually going to be able to figure this out with any kind of conclusiveness. And I think we'll see that's not really the point. Uh, it does uh, refer in some respect to the death and resurrection of Christ. I think it also refers to his departure to be with the Father, which is what he says here, because I'm going to the Father, so that's kind of a hint. And uh, because he's going to the Father, he's going to send the Spirit. So I think most the, the most fitting context is in uh, the promise of Pentecost, when he goes back to the Father, and then the Spirit comes, and he comes to be with us in the church, in the person of the Holy Spirit. In the person of the Holy Spirit, Christ is with us. And so uh, I think that uh, probably that's the, the primary reference, though it's clearly also here tied to his death and resurrection. So here you think about it, we're Thursday night, it might even be early Friday morning by the time Jesus says this, and uh, so just within a few hours, the crucifixion will take place. And then Sunday morning, the resurrection will take place. And uh, so I think that uh, he has that in mind, as well as the, his return to the Father and his sending of the Spirit and his coming in the person of the Spirit so that their vision of him will be uh, restored and renewed and present for good in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So uh, he says, uh, you will weep and lament and your enemies will rejoice. There's a season of sorrow. Uh, he says, hey, you will weep and lament, your enemies will rejoice. And yet, he says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Your sorrow will turn into joy. And so then he gives this illustration like the sorrow of childbirth. So he says, uh, so when a woman goes into labor, she, there's great sorrow 
There's uh, agony. Uh, he uses the word here, anguish. And yet, when the baby arrives, the anguish is forgotten. And the very same thing that caused the anguish and the sorrow becomes a cause for great rejoicing. In fact, greater rejoicing. In fact, such rejoicing that the sorrow is forgotten. The thing that caused the sorrow becomes the thing celebrated. And I'm quite confident that Jesus has his own death in mind here. There's, within a few hours now, there will be a season of uh, confusion and great sorrow among the disciples. They will not know, they will not understand. I think they even will resent a little bit that this man who promised, who was the promised Messiah has actually been crucified. Uh, They won't be able to wrap their heads around that and it will be a time of intense sorrow. But it is in fact that very thing his death on the cross (laughs) that will turn that sorrow into joy because it is his death on the cross, his satisfaction of all righteousness and his satisfaction of God's judgment upon us sinners that will turn into the joy of our salvation. Uh, Of course, we know that. We look back, they don't know. (laughs) And so they will be completely thrown into this season of great, dark sorrow. They will be utterly lost. And then, after a little while, their sorrow will be turned into joy when they see, face to face, the risen Christ. And so we know the sorrow of the cross and the joy of our salvation by the means of the cross. And Jesus is telling them, look, there's going to be a period of great sorrow and anguish, and yet your sorrow will be turned into joy like, like the agony of childbirth is turned into joy when the child arrives. The very thing that caused the agony will become the thing of rejoicing, the cause of celebration and joy. So he says, uh, so we would recognize now something that they were not able to anticipate then, and that is the sorrow of the cross and the joy of our salvation by the means of the cross. But you know, Jesus, I don't think he can mean just his death and resurrection alone based on what he goes on to say. Because he's saying, okay, so this will institute a new season of joy. Um, So I just want to go back to the text here. Uh, And then he, he, he almost immediately, he starts talking about them asking, he says, so you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. 
and no one will take your joy from you. So this is going to be a lasting season of joy for disciples of Jesus. And he says, in that day, okay, so he's identifying the day in which the sorrows turn to joy, in which his he will have been, uh, they won't see him for a while, and then a little while later they will see him. In that day when they see him, when he sees them, he says, uh, you will ask nothing of me. And suddenly he's talking about who they'll be asking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive. And then listen now. Listen to what he says. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Jesus is very, very motivated by joy, and not just his, as we know from Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That joy is not limited to him. He says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And this isn't the first time in this upper room discourse that we've seen that there's a primary motivation in Jesus, which is the joy of his disciples, those who trust in him. He says, I've said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, again, says, in that day. What day is he talking about? The day when they see him again. In that day you will ask in my name. I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. You see, that's what's going on up until now. They're talking directly to Jesus. They, they ask Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm going back to the Father. You won't see me. And then you will see me. But in that day, you won't ask. I won't be asking on your behalf. The Father himself loves you because you've loved me and believed that I came from God. I came from the Father, it came into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. And in that day, the disciples will just ask the Father. They'll ask in Jesus' name, but they won't ask Jesus. <laughs> That's kind of the point he's making here. You won't, you won't need to go through me anymore. You will, you followers, those who believe the Father sent me, <laughs> you will have access to the Father God, direct access in my name. Now, I think he's referring now to that season when the Spirit comes and the Spirit now indwells the believer and we have, because of the death and resurrection of Christ. And Christ has ascended and gone back to the Father, but Christ has, in a very specific sense, returned in the person of the Spirit already. 
So he is with us and we see him by the ministry of the Spirit. And in this regenerate condition, this spiritual condition, we have access to the Father directly in the name of the Son by the indwelling of the Spirit. All three persons of the Trinity are involved in our relationship to God. And I want you to notice, he says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I don't know if you've ever thought of this. Where is fullness of joy? Well, the Old Testament says, in your presence is fullness of joy. (laughs) In your presence is fullness of joy. And the scripture is very clear in Romans chapter 5, all through the book of Hebrews, you know, that great text where we come boldly before the throne of grace, seeking help in time of need. We receive mercy. Well, that's just what this is talking about. Ask. I can come straight into the Heavenly Father's office, living room, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I can go straight to Him, and I know I will be heard because I am in Christ by the Spirit. And so I have this access to Almighty God. Now, I want you to notice... Here, there's some. There's a really great sentence here. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. How will you have fullness of joy? You know, we pursue joy here, there, and everywhere. We, we think, oh, well, I watch a, a comedian on Netflix and I think, oh, there's some joy. Well, blah, you know. Uh, or I just... Uh, seek joy here, there, and everywhere, and I find little bits of it. I even find little visions of the work of God in nature and so on. But here is the key. Jesus says it. If you want to experience fullness of joy, ask. Ask. In Jesus' name, ask the Father. Go to God in Christ by the Spirit and see what He gives you. (laughs) That is where you will find the fullness of joy as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can do this because of the agony of the childbirth of the cross that is turned into the joy of the resurrected Jesus and his ascension to be seated at the right hand of the throne of God where he intercedes for you, his sending of the Spirit so that every day since the day of Pentecost, all of us Christians are born again by the Spirit to newness of life and we can just come straight to God with whatever small thing, petty thing, whatever concern we have, we can lay our anxieties upon Him, as the Scripture says, because He cares for us. It says here, the Father loves you because you love the Son. 
And so if you're one of those who has put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has cast your life onto his, the Spirit dwells in you, and you have immediate access to the living God, God the Father. (laughs) See what he will give you. Ask him. You know, I often say the whole Christian life is prayer. And this is what I'm talking about when I say that. Jesus, the reason Jesus died on the cross was to reconcile us to God, the Father. And so in Christ and by the Spirit, the prize is access to the Father. And so whenever you pray, whenever you look to Him, whenever you take whatever anxiety or problem or joy or hardship or whatever, and you come before the living God, you are doing the very thing Jesus died to make available to you. We don't don't pray to get something that's better than praying. The simple fact that we can pray is is the thing itself. Jesus says, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. You know, he says, uh, the, the disciples, when he says this about, you know, you'll be able to ask the Father directly, they say, oh, well, that's why we believe in you. And Jesus says, oh, do you? And he warns them, they will have to endure that season of sorrow. He says, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. Think about when, it, when he said this, when he said this. It has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me alone. But I'm not alone. The Father's with me. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So you see, Jesus isn't promising us that, you know, ask God and he will... uh, keep you from all troubles in the world. No. But the fact that you can ask God will uh, you will experience his presence with you no matter what trouble the world brings because Jesus has overcome the world. This is a passage where there's a season of sorrow and then a a permanent season of joy. And I encourage you to find your joy in your access to God the Father, in the Son, and by the Spirit. I hope you'll do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great salvation that you have delivered to us in Christ. Help us to walk in this way, Lord, in this joy, in this season of joy that Christ provides through his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his presence at the right hand on our behalf, and the presence of the Spirit in our lives, in and with us, in each of us, and in the church. Lord, help us to reflect the joy 
that is made available by the work of Christ in this way. We thank you in Jesus' name.